0: this podcast is to educate and inform about health matters affecting adults, from latest
1: research updates to tips on navigating the healthcare system and everything in between. I'm Kirsten.
0: And I'm Lindsay. Welcome back. How are you, Lindsay? I'm good. How are you? Good. Just celebrated the 4th of July weekend, and I actually didn't have the entire weekend off, but got some good family time, so it was nice. How about yourself? Yeah, it was great. We had
1: out at the lakes and enjoyed family and fun and I was going to tell about this one thing that happened on Sunday morning to me. I got up early and went out um, to paddleboard when it was quiet and crystal clear, calm water. And um, I was the only one out on the lake and it was very serene and peaceful. And that's my favorite time to be out there. But uh, as I'm paddling, this huge eagle kind of Mm -hmm. was circling up above and I was watching it. And then all of a sudden he comes down probably 10 feet in front of my paddleboard and touches the water and then, you know, soars off again. It was wow. the most crazy, serene. <laughs> Did you have a video? A- of a video no, of, of course no. not. It's
0: <laughs> mentally, it's in my mind. That's amazing.
1: But it was, I mean, he was huge and beautiful and majestic. It was just a crazy was moment. Was he fishing? I don't I think he just he didn't catch
2: a fish then okay he
0: just touched down but it was that's
2: really
1: crazy yeah Yeah.
0: that's awesome the the uh, payback for getting up early and getting out right right? being out there first thing yes that's awesome well this week we are kind of changing gears we did a few weeks on nutrition and now I'm gonna jump on to something else we're really fortunate that internal medicine is so broad we get to cover a whole variety of topics so where are we headed today Today we'll be focusing on um,
1: how our mental, how we deal with mental health through life's big changes.
0: Yeah, and how these big changes can sometimes cause depression, anxiety, or s- increased stress, and how we can help each other work through that. And we have some special guests joining us, so we'll take a minute to introduce them and then get them on the phone here with us. <music> today on our show, we're going to have Desiree
1: Zilke. She is um, an owner and president of Becoming Balance, which we'll hear more about. She's a clinical psychologist who specializes um, in health psychology. She has a bachelor's of science degree and master of science in clinical psychology from North Dakota State University. And she graduated with a doctor of philosophy degree in clinical psychology from Indiana University, Purdue University, Indianapolis. And did a one-year internship in Salem, Virginia at the VA hospital. So she has a postdoctorate training at Sanford Health. She worked as a licensed psychologist at Sanford Health for five years, which is where Kirsten and I met her, where she worked in the uh, integrative health um, with the internal medicine department.
0: And Dr. Zilke's experience is in health psychology, primary care mental health, as we just mentioned, and working with people who struggle with depression and anxiety. The majority of her clinical work recently has been with women, and um, that's kind of where she decided to take her practice with Becoming Balanced, because women in the community seem to be struggling with balancing their roles and obligations. In addition to being a psychologist, she's a wife, a dog mom, a chicken mom, and an aspiring yogi, and she and her husband live on a hobby farm with 30 chickens and two yellow labs. We're excited to, to talk more with Desiree. Trisha Powell is a licensed independent clinical social worker who provides therapy for women. She's one of the co-founders of Becoming Balanced. She earned her bachelor's degree in social work from Minnesota State University, Moorhead, and her master's degree from the University of North Dakota. She has over 15 years of experience working in the mental health field in the Fargo-Moorhead area, she has worked in the hospital. She was also integrated within our internal medicine clinic in the past and has worked more recently in the OBGYN setting. She completed a certificate training in perinatal mood and anxiety disorders through Postpartum Support International, and her clinical work over the past several years has focused on women's health, particularly with women in the perinatal and postpartum mental health um, setting. She's a mom, a wife,
1: and also was recently... Diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, and um, this led her to to kind of reevaluate her her life and decide how she wanted to spend her time and and helping people. So that's what helped her make the move to um, start up the Becoming Balanced.
0: Well, welcome Trisha and Desiree. It's great to have you on the show today. Thanks. Would you, do you each mind just taking a minute to uh, do a brief introduction? we read your bios already, but we just want to hear um, kind of, you know, the one-liner about yourself from each of you.
3: Well, I'm Desiree. I am a psychologist here in the Fargo-Moorhead area, and um, we, I work a lot with women, and particularly um, women who are, I don't know, I suppose in their mid-40s and up. And I really am interested in health and wellness, and I love listening to your podcast. Thank, <laughs> Thank you. you. How about you, Trisha?
2: I'm Trisha Paul. I'm a licensed independent clinical social worker here in the Fargo area, um, and I work a lot with uh, younger women, um, particularly during the <clears throat> like, peripartum and postpartum time um, kind of transitions of life. And tell us just a little bit about your, your new
3: project So we just started a business last week, actually. Um, It's our own psychotherapy practice right now, and we are only seeing women here, and our goal is to focus on helping women through various life transitions as well as focusing on health and wellness, so stress management, depression, anxiety. Our ultimate goal is to eventually be able to expand to have kind of multidisciplinary services available for women under one roof but for right now it's the two of us. Mm
1: -hmm. Well I think it's awesome and
0: it's exciting and and it'll be a great resource for people in our community. Yeah congratulations I think it's a huge asset to our community so really really um, neat concept that you guys are growing with and I, I think it's fabulous.
1: I think we're kind of talking today with you guys about those transitions uh life transitions and and how to manage those and deal with with different things that come up like isolation and and depression that can happen at those times and so i don't know do we want to start at the kind of with the younger age group and sure
0: yeah so trisha you work a lot with kind of the younger like you already said the younger women um Potentially, you know, new moms—that kind of situation—and so maybe talk us through a little bit of kind of some of the some of the issues these women face in terms of depression, anxiety, stress, and um, what how you guide them through that.
3: Sure.
2: Okay. So yeah. So you know, becoming a mom is is a super exciting time of your life, but it also can be challenging, and a lot there's a lot of challenges that come along with it. And, um, you know, whether you've had depression or anxiety in the past um, or not, you know, anybody can be at risk for postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety. Um, It's just a whole, it adds a whole new layer to life and to your relationship.
0: Let me, can, I don't want you to lose your thought here, but can we just define some of those terms a little bit for our listeners? So uh, maybe somebody who's not familiar with postpartum means, you know, shortly after having a baby, that post baby period. (laughs) And then, how about sure. depression and anxiety? What what are we thinking about there?
2: Sure. Um, so, I mean, some of the symptoms, you know, line up um, quite a bit, or you know, are, are similar. Um, but sometimes after having a child, people experience a lot more anxiety in terms of, like, checking on the baby more and feeling like they can't leave the house, they can't let anybody else take care of the baby, those types of things. So then that leads to a lot of isolation. Um, so that feeds the depression. What's the difference between depression and baby blues? Question: Difference between depression and baby blues. So, um, a lot of women experience baby blues. So, what that is is it's the first two weeks after after delivery. Um, a lot of people experience, you know, feeling sad, crying for no particular reason, feeling isolated. Um, if it's baby blues, it usually resolves which, within a two to three weeks after after delivery. Resolves on its own without really any intervention. And if it's we don't if it goes beyond that two weeks. We're usually concerned about the postpartum depression. Um, so then you, it's, you know, it's sustained the same things I already mentioned, but it's uh, sustained longer and it usually don't come out of it really without any type of intervention or extra support. Sure. You yeah. sometimes need medication.
0: Sure. Mm-hmm. And I imagine the baby blues is fairly common and probably much more common than postpartum depression um, just because it's a big life transition. And all mo- all new moms are exhausted and not sleeping, and it's an exhausting right. time of life. Okay. Do you know how? Do we have um, numbers on the percentage of of
1: new moms that have postpartum depression?
2: Postpartum depression occurs in nearly
1: fifteen percent of births. Okay. okay, so still also that's fairly a, common. Yeah, yeah,
2: that's a good
1: number. I mean, I know in the past it, we probably had the same numbers, we just didn't talk about it, right? And so
2: right. now yep. we
1: hear about it much more. But it's not that it wasn't there in the past.
2: Yeah, it's becoming more and more um, talked about, which is really good because I think, you know, I, I even will see, you know, women in their 40s, 50s, and, and they've been kind of struggling with, you know, depression or anxiety, and they pinpoint it back to, well, I felt this way ever since my first child was born. Right. So
0: when women are experiencing these symptoms, what, where should they seek help? And what do you, how do you advise them to kind of get through this period?
2: Yeah, so I always, you know, I recommend using their, kind of their informal support system, so their family and their friends, Um, talking to their OBGYN or their primary care doctor is always, you know, important. Um and, and these symptoms can actually start during pregnancy too. And so often you hear, well, it's just the hormones or um, you know, things like that, but it's it's not always the case. And so it's important if you have any concerns that you reach out and, and let somebody know.
0: Yeah, that absolutely makes sense and Sounds good. And so, you know, from a physician perspective, when I'm seeing somebody, um, you know, who comes in and has a fair, a fairly significant number of symptoms and it's persistent, it's lasting more than a few weeks. We certainly talk about medication treatment um, and medication can certainly help, again, with the neurohormones to the brain chemicals to elevate the mood a little bit. It doesn't necessarily treat the underlying condition. It can be a little boost, however, and then of course another huge part of our treatment is integrated health or mental health th- services too, and that w- that's where you come in.
2: Yeah, and medications are a great option, especially if you you know are by- beyond that baby blue per- baby blues period, and uh, a lot of moms are hesitant for medications because of breastfeeding so it's just important to be educated because there are a number of medications out there that are safe for even during pregnancy and during breastfeeding
1: and what other things do you do on your side is it a goal setting um like in cognitive behavioral therapy treatments for for general depression is it exercise what kinds of things are also beneficial?
2: So, um, you know, scheduling, um, you know, helping them to build like a new routine, because everything's completely different when you bring that baby home. Um, So helping them with, you know, establishing a new routine, um, how can they make those things work? setting realistic expectations for themselves is something we talk a lot about because a lot of people go into it feeling that they have the same expectations they had for themselves before having the baby, and that's just completely unfair to themselves. And so, um, you know, working through the expectations and setting realistic expectations, um, helping them to, to pick out who their support systems are, sometimes getting them involved. Um, you know, picking out even down to the basics, you know, are you eating enough? Are you drinking enough water every day? Um, Because all of those things can really contribute to how you're feeling um, emotionally.
0: Yeah. And I really like how you um, talk about realistic expectations. I think that that's Really important for managing a lot of um, depression, anxiety, just stress in general. Because stress comes from the difference between our expectations and what reality is giving us. And so, if we can modify our expectations a little bit, just by doing that, we can reduce stress. So, I think that's a really, really important concept.
2: Setting boundaries and um, helping them work through not comparing, as well with social media. Yes, the um, day that becomes so big. You know, you're comparing and oh, so-and-so did this with their baby. And, you know, we're only seeing the highlight reels of people on social media. And so just making sure we keep that in check because it gets to be a lot and it puts a lot of pressure on us as, as moms and just people in general.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's such a such a real thing right now with social media.
1: Well, do we want to move on to... Maybe another life transition for a woman is maybe a menopausal time. I don't know if you have many words to say on that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot.
3: (laughs) I laugh because it is a lot, and it usually isn't – it doesn't happen in a vacuum. And so there's usually a lot of other things going on in women's life around that time as well. And um, I've been – I've got a couple of people right now that we're working on – responding instead of reacting. I like that. When it comes to feeling those um, kind of emotional mood swings and trying to just stop and do some relaxation strategies, get a mindfulness practice going just to help slow them down enough so they can think before they speak.
1: <laughs> That's huge, I think. Yeah. For all of us, but certainly when we're going through
0: through those stressful times. Absolutely.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And I would say among my patients, you know, that is definitely a difficult time. The, the hitting, a, hitting about 50 for women is a really tough time because you start to feel like your body is changing and aging. And not only that, you don't, you, hormonally things are changing and you just don't feel like the person that you thought you were necessarily physically and emotionally. And so that's definitely
3: a big transition. Yeah. And people tend to start being empty nesters around that time if they've, had kids at home, and, um, you know, with the hormones, libido changes and intimacy changes, and that's not always comfortable for everyone to talk about, but it's really important to talk about too. Definitely. I think also with, um, you
1: know, you mentioned becoming empty nesters or kind of the same time they might be thinking about retiring, and it's just a time when, you know, your meaning or your purpose in life changes. And so I don't know, do you talk about finding new purpose all the time or new meaning?
3: Yeah, we talk about that actually quite a bit, because once people are no longer working and no longer have the kids at home, it's true, they they aren't quite sure what to do. And especially for people who that kind of has been their whole life. And now they don't even they don't have kids as activities. So they're not socializing with the other parents, like they used to, and if they didn't take the time to develop hobbies along the way, it can it puts people at increased risk for developing depression at that time in life because they just become a lot more isolated. How do
0: you help them kind of change that isolation pattern and get back out into the community and find new things to do?
3: So we use a lot of I use a lot of websites, so Um, In the Fargo-Moorhead area, there's a Fargo-Moorhead.org website that has a calendar of events going on in the community. If people are on Facebook, I have them look at Facebook events that are going on that they would be interested in. Meetup.com is another website that has, I mean, they have a meetup site for the Fargo-Moorhead area, so any place bigger than here for sure has a meetup site where you can meet up with people who have similar interests to you. So I have... So sometimes people will get involved with um, one of the hiking meetups that are around here or there's a singles meetup for women over a certain age. But also volunteering. We t- I talk a lot with people about volunteering just as a way to get out and be around other people um, as well as the senior centers. Some of the senior centers have quite a bit of activity going and not just some people think it's like, oh, it's only the really old people that are at the senior centers. But it's, it's not. They have a lot of stuff for you know younger younger senior citizens as well.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, these are all great ideas. I think um, it's helpful to know what's available so that we can kind of direct people in that in that way. And I think um, the meetup.com sounds like a great opportunity. The senior centers, I agree, are probably underutilized and right. um, really have a lot to offer. I imagine. I mean, I think
1: when you're out of college and you get into a new job or... Then, you, you know, you meet job career peep friends, I guess. And then you have friends that are parents of your children's friends. Um, but I imagine then once you retire, yeah, it's like, where, where do you go? These are good options of where you go to meet other people who may might have similar interests. But I think that becomes a really big problem mm-hmm. when you're not doing things every day that where you're out meeting people?
3: Yeah, I was just reading a study over the weekend. I mean, of course, exercise and joining a gym is a great way to meet people. But this article was saying even just having small interactions with strangers, if you're at the grocery store, just behind a chat and the person up who's in line by you or asking someone a question, even those types of things can help us be a little bit more socially active and protect a little bit against depression
0: Yeah. And I would say, you know, if you can have a good, even if it's a two minute conversation with somebody, leaves you feeling good for several hours. It's not like something that just lasts that two minutes. It's going to stick with you for a while and you can think back on it and it just gives you that positive feeling and it probably helped them out, too. So we have um, studies
1: all the time about, uh, you know, more not just depression, but dementia is, is a bigger deal. The more isolated we become, the more likely you are to, to get dementia. So what are ways if we have a, a parent, um, who we feel is isolated? Are there ideas or ways to, for children of older parents to help them get involved in things?
3: I think being willing to go with them. If if you're able to, if they're in the same area as you, um, taking them places or going with them. A lot of times people are scared to try something by themselves, at least for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Helping um, with the technology piece.
2: So looking yes. things up online, that sometimes is something we know our, the parents need help with. Yeah. Right. Definitely. Uh,
3: and helping them, I guess, get connected to services as well. So I think about, you know, a church is something that's important for people of, to go to. A lot of times churches will offer a ride service. If it's hard for, you know, a person or a parent to, to get there themselves, um, just being able to connect them with ways to be independent and to get around on their own.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's a really important issue. You know, definitely um, the aging population struggles with being able to drive or safety with driving. And so helping them find ways to not have to rely on their kids necessarily, but ways to get um, out in the community without necessarily being able to drive is a good thing. I think, you know, some of my patients have started using Uber and Lyft. And those are great services, too, that are new and kind of an amazing thing that um, that, you know, the cost isn't outrageous if you use it once in a while. And um, one more way to get out there. Sure. So we talked about, you know, how isolation can lead to depression You know, we we kind of, I think, all have these ideas of what depression looks like in our head, but obviously it's not going to manifest in the same way um, in in different individuals. But also as we age, the way depression kind of rears its head can change. And so can you talk about what depression might look like? You know, you mentioned symptoms earlier in a younger person. How does that look in somebody who's a little bit older? And um, again, what should we be watching for so that we, you know, either family or physicians or friends can know when they maybe should be um, helped
3: out. It can get tricky um, when people have medical conditions as well, too, because um, so fatigue is one and not being interested in doing activities. But if someone's struggling with chronic pain or their diabetes isn't managed, that's going to manifest, too, as fatigue and things like that. Irritability is a really big one, especially as people get older, um, that usually it will clue me in that there's possibly some depression going on. And it's not technically one of the criteria for a diagnosis, but a lot of times that's what it ends up looking like, more so than the feeling down and depressed. Sure. But Loss of interest in activities. So even if presented with an opportunity to do something and a way to get there or they're still gonna decline and they'd rather stay home and they'd rather be alone. um, Sometimes it can be a lot of somatic or physical symptoms that, you know, a lot of headaches or things like that that we really can't pinpoint a cause to. Um, I'm trying to think what else, sleep problems. Sleeping too much or kind of waking up every so often. Our sleep changes as we age, but we still should be able to to get a certain amount of um, sleep at one time during the night.
0: I think that's helpful because it definitely is a little different than what we would see in the younger population. Right.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think sometimes I see people in the office and their
1: family's concerned that they do maybe have a dementia or cognitive changes, but when we get down to it is has been depression or undertreated mm-hmm. anxiety that is contributing
0: to their problems you know with cognition right problems focusing, problems with remembering things. yep, that can definitely tie back to depression and anxiety.
3: And most of the time those are the people who aren't getting out and about during the day. right.
1: Do you have any tricks for the people who say that they were never they were never, social people in their life and so why should they start now i get that a lot
2: i have a conversation with people a lot is when you're working full-time or have kids at home you kind of have built-in routine built-in structure built-in activities and so you you are social you just don't necessarily see it the same way and now that you're not doing those things and you're, you're making this transition it is completely different and that can contribute to that isolation and um, depression sometimes. I think
0: that's a good way of framing it. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And I usually encourage people to at least once a week and starting there, they have to talk to someone like, or they have to see someone face to face and visit with them. Um, Phone calls are great in between times if they're calling their kids and things like that, but it's really important for them to get, Face-to-face time. So if they're not getting any of it, if they're home alone and they don't have a spouse and they're not in a senior living community or things like that, I'm, I don't, I tell them I don't care if it's at Walmart and they visit with the cashier as they're purchasing their products or anything like that. But they have to get some face-to-face interaction. Sure. Yeah.
2: I'll also work with people kind of on like, okay, you used to have this, um, this, this built-in routine, but you don't have that anymore, so let's, let's help you make kind of a new routine for yourself, right? So even if it's like you go down the street to McDonald's every morning and have coffee or, you know, you're getting out of the house and kind of have a little um, kind of an appointment for yourself. So you're leaving the house, you're getting out of bed, you're, you're getting away from the TV, and um, you're doing something, being a little bit active. Um, Or, you know, what are the important things to you or what would you like to do more of now that you have the time to do it?
0: Yeah, that's a great idea. A lot of us can thrive with structure. And when we just have undefined open time, it's much harder to necessarily plan ahead enough to, like you said, get get up at a reasonable time, get ready and get out the door. So having a schedule is really helpful.
3: One of the things that I I, um, let people know about loneliness is being isolated like that is equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes a day for their health. And so that's why if they're not if they would never in a million years smoke 15 cigarettes a day, then they should probably never in a million years sit at home alone all day.
1: I like that it's it is so huge yeah. for your physical, mental, your whole well-being and so I like that. I'm going to use that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I see it all the time and um certainly the older adult age group where, you know, their their spouse has died and they're still living on the farm and they can't drive. And so they're very, very isolated. And yet people fight so much to to make a move that would make that easier. And, and I have so many people who fight, you know, going, moving to a, a senior living area. But once they do, they wish they'd done it years earlier. So yes. I don't know how, you, how we get that across to, to the people who so badly want to just live and die in their,
3: their farmhouse isolated. Yeah. And I think for me, it's, it's highlighting the ways that they can be even more independent when they make the move. Because for all of us, we, we don't want to lose our independence and, and we fear losing our independence. And it's a really big deal as things get taken away from people and so it seems like moving period is a a loss of some of their independence but then if it's a senior living facility oh my gosh might as well just put me in the nursing home Mm -hmm. etc etc and so being able to highlight like by moving to town that like oh well now you can use Uber or Lyft or Matt Transit or the bus system or you know it gives you a way to get out and about without having to drive and highlighting all of those ways it increases their independence
0: yeah i like that i think um like Lindsay said most people once they've made the transition are really very happy about it it's just that getting them to that point where they realize actually it's more social it's more fun you can enjoy life without having to necessarily work so hard somebody else can do the yard work for you so um yeah really some big opportunities there yeah
3: and this is i mean this has been fun and for me to talk about this today, so my parents just actually moved to town from a small town in North Dakota. So they're here, and they don't have any friends. <laughs> you know, they've got their kids here, and they've got their grandkids, but they, they've they never lived here, and so they don't have any friends. They haven't found a church yet. And so um, we joke a little bit about electronics, but some of it has been helping my mom use Facebook and the internet trying to find places, things to do in town, and ways to get out and about and meet people. And my parents are by no means old, but this has just been a big transition for them. Yeah, I think um,
0: I, I definitely have patients who, you know, are moving into town for various reasons so that they don't have to drive in during the winter or easier access to health care or whatever it is. But I think that is a difficult transition. So the more we can... Um, help them bridge that the better
3: and we're all busy but we also forget that um we we can always make time for the things that are important and making time for our loved ones especially ones who have less going on and might be more isolated is hugely important
0: so tell us more about becoming balanced you said you opened last week it's it's very exciting and sounds like just a really um cool concept and opportunity for people to seek uh, balanced, you know, better mental health maybe and um, reduce stress and all, all of those things.
3: Yeah. And so one of the things um, that has been one of the reasons Trisha and I decided to do this is because we needed to do something different as far as our work life balance um, for ourselves because the way our schedules were set up and our other jobs just wasn't working for the lifestyles that we had. Um, But it's also been a challenge for us too, as we've started to get this going because, you know, you're naturally inclined to want to be accommodating to everyone. And so we're constantly having to keep each other in check of like, okay, well it's important that we're balanced first and foremost. Absolutely. So we can help the people who come to see our services. So seek our services. Um, So it's been challenging because it's a different way of doing things, but, which is why we're offering evening appointments because um, I know Trisha like can't be here right away at eight o'clock in the morning during the school year. She's got three kids that so she's got to try and get mm-hmm. to school on time, which I'm sure you both know it can be a circus. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> and for me, I, um, I right now I've got a ton of mowing to do on our property. And so be, being able to get home early in the afternoon so I can get the mowing done so my whole weekend isn't taken up by doing the things I have to do or should do rather than the things I want to be doing. Uh, So we do offer, starting in August, we'll be offering evening appointments Monday through Thursday. Um, The phone is answered. The office hours are Monday through Thursday, 8 to 5, and then Friday mornings from 8 to noon. Um, Neither of us, we don't have any therapy hours available on Fridays at this time. But, so we're trying to be flexible in our hours, both for ourselves, but also to accommodate women who are also busy and that can't always make appointments work between the hours of eight and five. Um, we are looking for working with women who are having difficulties managing managing their life and all of the responsibilities that come with that. So more on the mild to moderate symptoms rather than um, people who are really having severe symptomology. Um, We're connecting people with other resources in the community if we feel like they're not something that we can accommodate here. Mm -hmm. We've got a treadmill office set up so we can offer walking appointments year-round for people.
0: I love that. That's fantastic. Uh,
3: Yep. I'm really excited to be able to get some of my minutes of physical activity in at work during the day. That's a huge, um, that's a huge thing for me that really has driven some of this. and being able to have time to focus on my own physical health. Yeah, no, that's such as a great well. idea. Um, we're hoping to be able to offer some classes in the future. maybe some groups. Some maybe, groups. Yes. Um, we're tossing around the idea of doing like a monthly lunch and learn for people to come in and just do some education on a topic. Um, we're in talks with other um, healthcare professionals about um, potentially adding to the services that we offer in the future. So maybe having a dietitian here some hours to meet with people just to figure out how they can eat that works best for them instead of just giving everybody kind of the blanket of this is what everybody should be eating. Right. So we want to be able to offer some more personalized um, health and wellness services like that for Very women. Cool. Very neat, what a
0: what a great resource. And how can people yeah. how can people connect with you?
3: So, um, we our website is up and running, it's becomingbalancednd.com, the ND standing for North Dakota. We have a Facebook page that's under Becoming Balanced um, PC, and then the phone number here is 701-551. One eight
1: four zero. I think it's such a great idea and I know uh, that I'll be sending people your way. So look out. Awesome.
0: <laughs> awesome. We'll take them. We'll take them. Good. Yeah, we definitely appreciate having resources like this in the community. So thanks for joining us today and thanks for being there. Thank
2: you. Thank you.
1: for listening today please um, email us at mail at everything doc.com. that's m-a-i-l at e-v-e-r-y t-h-i-n-g-d-o-c dot com
0: yeah we appreciate your questions and comments in addition to suggestions for future episodes and we won't use your name unless you specifically say that that's okay for us to do um, you can also find links from today's discussion on our show notes, and again, that's our at our website, everythingdoc.com, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Please um, download
1: and listen and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Google Play. If you're enjoying
0: our podcast, please give us a rating and review. We appreciate it, and it helps spread the word to others who may find it beneficial as well.
1: And I think Nick's visit will uh, be including the male population with a chat on BPH. The state
0: enlargement. There you go. (laughs) Very good. Well, have a great week. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye.